chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10. I never want to take it lightly, the opportunity to preach in this pulpit. Amen. The trust that our pastor has put in me to be able to deliver God's word here. Amen. Never want to take it lightly. Amen. Matthew chapter number 10. We're going to read verses 29 through 31, most likely a familiar passage of scripture for most of us. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31. It says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Fear ye, fear ye not, therefore, for you of, are of more value, more value than many sparrows. Amen. Tonight I'm going to talk about, just for a little while, the value of the child of God. The value of a child of God. Amen. Let's pray tonight. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you. Hallelujah. Can we lift our voices and worship to him one more time? seated. Praise the Lord. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10 that two sparrows are basically sold for a farthing, but he says that one of them can fall to the ground, and our Father in heaven will know that that sparrow fell to the ground. And if God knows when a sparrow falls to the ground, how much more will the attention of our Father be upon his children? Amen. There's a few things in the scripture. I'm going to build a foundation here. I don't know if I'm going to go quick or however things come out, we'll, we'll just allow that to happen. We want God's will to be done tonight. The first thing that I, I find in the scripture is the fact that God is always there always there. Matthew 28 and 20 tells us, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. 
Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 tells us, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say that the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Amen. Amen. God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And we ought to take comfort in that as a child of God. Amen. We can know that the Lord is our helper, as Hebrews tells us. Amen. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was there for you yesterday, he's going to be there for you today. And he'll still be there for you tomorrow. Amen. Praise God. No matter where we go, no matter what we're doing, he will always be there. Psalms 139, 7 through 13 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. And if I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Amen. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Amen. You understand the psalmist was just telling us, I don't care if it's the darkest part of the night. God knows where you're at. He don't care how big of a hole you've dug for yourself to be in. He knows where you're at, and he knows how to get to you. Amen. I take comfort in these things. Amen. I know it's, it's, not, it's not revelatory tonight, but it's, it's, it's un, you have to understand that God will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. Amen. Your value is much more than anything on this world to the Lord. Amen. Amen. You understand, we were created in his image. In his likeness created he man. Amen. No other thing that was created on this earth was created in his image, aside from mankind. Amen. He loves us. The Bible says he made us a little lower than the angels. Amen. We are his people. We are his people. Amen. There are several places we could go throughout the scripture to see that no matter where the people of God were, God would always show up on time. Amen. I, I think of Joshua in Joshua chapter 10. I got the whole passage here. I'm not going to take time to go through it because we could be here a while. But Joshua and the Israelites were battling with the, Amal the Amorites. And there in that battle, they were losing daylight. And uh, Joshua understood this principle of God never leaves them and he never forsakes us. Why do I say that? Because in verse 12 of, of Joshua chapter number 10, 
It says, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still. It wasn't because Joshua said something to the sun. Joshua's words had nothing, had no power in and of themselves. I can stand outside and say, sun, stand still. All I want to, but it's not going to stop the sun. But it said that Joshua said to the Lord. And the Lord responded to the cry of his people. And responded to their need. And did exactly what the people needed him to do. Amen. When we realize and we understand that we're in this predicament, we can't get out of ourselves. We, Our own intellect, we can try to figure things out. But let me tell you something, honey. I can promise you one thing. You can try and think your way through the whole situation all day and all night. But you're never going to find your way out. I know. I've been there. But let me tell you something. It was when I fell on my knees and I cried out to God and said, Lord, make the sun and the moon stand still in my life. I need your help. I need your strength. I can't do this on my own. God, I don't even know which way is up from here. Hallelujah. That's when I remember that I am of more value than even a sparrow. And I can say, Lord, I'm here, and I need your help and your strength today. And he responds in kind. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You see, God saw David on the backside of a hill when he was just a shepherd boy. He was back there tending the sheep. And he tells a story of, of how, how the uh, lion and the bear came. And he took them on by hand. Did he do that of his own strength? No. Absolutely not. But God gave him strength. God gave him strength. Amen. But not only did God help him, but God saw that he understood he could not do things. Even as small or many as you could think, maybe think that uh, tending sheep was. But David understood, I have to have God's help to even keep these sheep safe. For that, for that reason, I believe that God chose David to be the king of Israel. David understood, I can't do these things of my own strength. Amen. King Saul had done things on his own ability. He had got himself into trouble. In fact, he got himself into deep trouble, not only with the people around him, but with God. But God looked for a young man. That understood, I need God's help. I need God's strength to be able to do anything. And you can find throughout Scripture, throughout all the days of David, constantly reaching out. God, should we go up? God, I need your help. Which direction should we go now? How should we approach this situation? Yes, there was a time that David fell into sin. But you know what? When he fell into sin, the man of God was able to come to him 
And he, he realized, again, I can't do this on my own. He tried to fix his sinful situation on his own and got deeper into sin. But when the man of God came and preached and, to, and delivered to him the message from the Lord, David fell on his face and said, Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned. And God picked him up out of the mire that he, he found himself in and helped straighten him back out. Amen. Amen. We have to have the Lord's help. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. God, a lot of times, waits for his people to call on him before he acts. Amen. This may seem a little odd, but today I've been dwelling on this all day, and this wasn't even in, in these notes, but I began to think about Naaman. Naaman. Naaman had a, he was a successful man. He was valiant in, uh, in battle. In fact, the Bible says that Jehovah had given deliverance unto Syria, given Israel to them at the hand of Naaman. Amen. And there was at Naaman's house a young man, a young lady. Well, let me back up and say this. Naaman, as valiant of a man as he was, had a problem. Had a problem. Naaman was a leper. An incurable disease, Pastor talked about just the other night. No man, even to this day, can cure leprosy. Naaman was a leper. He was a valiant man, yet he was a leper. And there was a young maiden girl that they had captured from Israel that told her mistress in verse 3 of 2 Kings 5, she said, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And I know that she, it says she was a young maiden, a little maid, it said. And she waited on Naaman's wife in verse number 2. And in verse 4, the news got to Naaman. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. I just stated the fact that God waits on us to make the first move. Naaman had to make the first move. We've heard the message. We heard the message. When you first come to church, you hear, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in Jesus' name. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We have these understandings. We hear the message. We have an understanding. But what do we do with it? In verse number 6, Verse number 5 of 2 Kings 5, it says, And the king of Syria said, Go to go, and I will send a letter. Naaman heard. Naaman acted. Because Naaman wanted relief from his situation. He wanted a change in his life. He needed help that nobody else could give him. 
And this little maid said, I wish that you would go to Samaria to the prophet because he can deliver you. And Naaman made the move, obviously, because he went to the king of Syria. And the king of Syria said, what are you waiting on, Naaman? Go. I'm going to send a letter with you to the king of Israel. And he departed and he took with him 10 talents of silver and, and 6,000 pieces and a whole bunch of other stuff to the king. And when he gets to the king, the king said, what am I going to do with you, Naaman? Did you come here to just stir things up so you could destroy us again? In verse number 8, and it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore thou hast rent thy clothes, let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now Naaman heard, Naaman responded, He's acting, he's trying, he's in pursuit of the answer right now. And finally he gets to the man of God's house. In verse 9. And in verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee. And thou shalt be clean. Amen. So first of all, Naaman heard that he could get healing in Samaria. Naaman did what he could to get to Samaria. Get to the man of God, Elisha. And when he finally gets to the man of God's house, the man of God says, he didn't even come outside and talk to him. He just sent his word. Go to Jordan and dip seven times, and thou shalt be clean. Simple as that. You would think Naaman would say, all right, I got my answer. Let's just go and let's do what the man of God told me to do. He gave me, they already told me one thing. I responded to that. He's at the man of God's house. The man of God says, go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thou shalt be clean. According to his actions before, he would just go do what he was told. But something happened this time. I don't know if it's because he went to the king's house and God had to get detoured over to the man of God's house. I don't know what the circumstance was, why he got this frame of mind. But Naaman was wroth. In verse 11, and he went away, and he said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Somebody told him where he needed to go. He got to the place he needed to go, and the man of God just spoke to him and said, This is what you need to do, Naaman. And he got, he got mad about it because he didn't like what the man of God said. Hallelujah, you're there with me tonight. He didn't like what the man of God had to say to him. In fact, what he said in verse number 12, he said, Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, 
better than all the rivers of Israel? Why can't I just go back to the rivers, the places that I'm used to, and wash there? Why do I have to go to this muddy old river called Jordan? Why does it have to be here in Israel? Why can't I just go back to what I know and everything just be fine? Well, that's not what the man of God said. Tradition is so much more comfortable sometimes, most of the time, than obeying what the Word of God has to say. Amen. Somebody told Naaman, you can get your answer, Naaman. You can get your healing. You can receive what you've been seeking for for a long time. The Bible doesn't say it, but I know if I was in this position, I would have been spending as much as I, I, I could on, on physicians trying to get things right in my body. They say there's no cure, but really, is that really true? Let's see if we can find something that can help me out here. I'm sure he tried all of man's, man's philosophies. And then somebody comes along and says, hey, I have your answer, and he acts upon the answer, but when he gets to the place that he's supposed to get his answer, he doesn't like the answer. And he'd rather go back to tradition than just stay in, to do what he was told. To do what the word of God had gone forth and told him to do. Amen. You see, God waits on us to obey his word. Yes, he waits on us to move the first. But also he waits for us to obey his word. We know what the word of God is. We know what it says. Amen. Let's go to uh, Ephesians. I taught this a few weeks ago, well, but probably a couple months ago now. And I think most of us have an understanding, but I want to go back and touch on this real quick. Naaman heard somebody witnessed to him. Somebody told him, hey, there's an answer if you can get to the prophet in Samaria. Naaman went, and Naaman got to the man of God's house. This is all scriptural. This is all how our salvation works today. Somebody tells us that God can change our life. We get to the house of God and hear what the man of God has to say. Why is it important to hear what the man of God has to say? Why is it important? Ephesians chapter number 4, starting with verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts unto men. What are those gifts? Well, you jump down to verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets 
and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Why did God give us ministry? Why did he give us a preacher, if you will? That's what this verse is telling us. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses 18 through 21, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Amen. Amen. To save them that believe. What did Jesus tell them to preach? In Luke chapter number 24. Verse 46 and 47 says, And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That was Jesus proclaiming the gospel right there before he was ascended into heaven. What did the apostles preach in Acts chapter number 2? Amen. You know where I'm going. Acts chapter number 2, verses number 37 through verse 40 says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? When Jesus ascended, he gave us gifts. What were the gifts that he gave us? He gave us the preachers. And what did the preachers have to tell us in Acts chapter 2, verse 38? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises to you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, the Bible tells us, did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. You see, Naaman had to do these things on his own. This little maiden, this little maiden girl, she couldn't do these things for, for Naaman. Amen. Naaman had to go to the, to the prophet. Naaman had to hear what the man of God had to say. Somebody told you about something that can change your life. You've come to the house of God. The preacher's up here preaching tonight. Let me tell you something. God has something for you that can change your life forever. But let me tell you something else. God's not going to walk to you and just hand it to you. God's waiting on you to come find an altar of repentance and lay down your sins and say, God, I'm tired of this whole life that I'm living. And God, I need a change in my life. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Let me tell you, it was, it was when Naaman, when Naaman decided I'm not going to listen to what the man of God said, that his promise started going away. He started on his way home. But the Bible tells us that in verse 13, and his servants came near and spake to him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, if I were to tell somebody in this place tonight, you could just come, just believe on the Lord as your personal Savior, and you're just going to be saved because you're saved by faith. But that's not what I'm proclaiming tonight because that's not the truth. Faith is the beginning of your salvation. Faith is what's going to drive you to this altar. Faith is what's going to make you come to the altar and say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Lord, I want you to please change me forever. God, I don't want to be the same person that I walked in the back door as tonight. The servant said, my father, the prophet had bid thee do some great thing. Wouldest thou not have done it? He was a warrior. If he could add things to his name, if he could make his ego bigger, he would do it. We men, we know what that's all about. If I told you to do something to make, if I told you to come down here and, and paired up a couple of you guys and told you to arm wrestle, and that's what's going to make you saved, I have a feeling we probably have a couple guys down here arm wrestling tonight. Ain't that right, Brother Chad? That's not what it takes to be saved. Peter told us in Acts 2 and 38, repent. What did Jesus tell us in Luke chapter 24? He said that repentance should be preached in his name. He said, Peter, Peter said, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. What did Jesus say in Luke chapter 24? He said that repentance and, and, and remission of sins should be preached in his name. What did Peter preach? Did he preach what Jesus said? Absolutely. So what must I do to be saved? I must repent. I must be baptized in Jesus' name. And those waters over there that, that, uh, that we've all been baptized in, amen, that were filled with the Holy Ghost. And let me tell you, when you're baptized in Jesus' name and you're repentant of your sins, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and you will begin to speak in another tongue like as the Spirit gives the utterance. It's not a language that you learn. It's a language that God puts in your mouth. Why is tongues necessary? Because James said that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. Who can tame it? Nobody can tame it. But when you surrender yourself to God, God grabs a hold of your tongue and he begins to speak through you in a language that you've never learned before, just in a sign and showing everybody around you, hey, they just surrendered themselves to God. They give themselves to God completely and totally. God's in control of their life now. Amen. The latter part, the, the servant sent, finished it up and he said, how much rather than, Naaman, how much rather than, how much rather, how much more? All he did was tell you to go down to Jordan and wash. He 
he asked if he would have told you to do something great, it would have been easy for you. Let's just go do it. We're going to go, we're going to go tear down these gates. We're going to do whatever he asked me to do. But it's not what he said. He asked you to do something simple, Naaman. Your name's not going to put up in lights for doing what you're about to do. But Naaman, how much more if you just wash and be clean? How much more? And Naaman must have been right there on the verge because the next verse goes and, and it tells us, then went he down and he dipped seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child and he was clean. He was clean. I said he was clean. Why did he become clean? Because he went and washed in Jordan? Did Jordan have any special power? No. The power was in the obedience to the word of God. The power was in him obeying what the man of God had to tell him that day. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you here tonight, you can leave this place washed and clean. You don't have to leave this place the same way as you've came. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Hallelujah. God doesn't stand up here and he doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, I've got a gift for you. And when you come down here, he doesn't take it back. It's kind of like on Christmas. You get gifts for the children. I know in our families we've kind of deviated from gifts amongst the adults and just do focus on our children. But if you were there to walk in and I were to walk in, to Reagan or Morgan or Camden, I had a gift. I said, here's, I got this Christmas gift for you. All they've got to do is reach up and grab it. That's all they got to do. Just, but they just look at me. Like, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. This is your gift. It has, see it right here. It has your name on it. You want to take it? It's as easy as that. It's that simple. When you repent of your sins, these are the things that we have to do. Repenting of your sins, being baptized in Jesus' name. It's just like reaching up and grabbing a gift and taking it to yourself. That's all it is. God doesn't just shove it at you. Here. But he gives it to you. Yes, there's requirements. Yes, I must repent. Yes, I must be baptized in Jesus' name. But that's what, it's, it's that easy. It's that easy. Hallelujah. I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I, God gives gifts to me. And he gave, them, gave us preachers according to Ephesians 4. He sends the man of God to tell us what we ought to do, how we ought to be saved. And what he requires of the people is to obey and do what God has sent them to say. Can we all stand tonight? Let me ask you. I know most of us here, but I know there are st still folks here that need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And God can do it tonight. 
We're in his house. You heard that he could change your life. You came here. The preacher told you what you've got to do. What are you going to do with what you've heard tonight? How are you going to respond to what the word of God had to say tonight? Are you going to leave this place like Naaman almost did, the same leper as he came to the man of God? Or are you going to leave this place like Naaman did, washed and clean? Amen. Sister Becca, if you could come. Let's all pray tonight. Lord, we love you, Jesus.